Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So this week we wanted to talk about how you can be kind of like us, independent developers who work for yourself without having a full-time designer or trying to minimize how much of a designer's time you need. Uh, Because oftentimes people who are working for themselves can't afford a full-time designer or much design at all from from other people. And sometimes even when you can afford it, if you're working on on like a small app or you need to get something out quickly or you're not sure of, of the market of something, you often want to keep your expenses on that app very low. And it's it's often hard to justify having a full-time designer or, or having lots of hours from a contract designer uh, helping you out there. So we kind of wanted to talk about the reality and process of being a programmer who kind of designs, who kind of does your own design, or and and having how that works out, and then other things later on about things like how you can do programmatic style assets versus static assets in your apps. So, David, what's what has your experience been with with design for your apps? So I do most of the core design of my apps myself um which is definitely it's a it's a mixed bag in terms of what that ends up doing but for the reasons you just outlined like i it's a hard thing to hire a designer um especially i find or for like at the first app or like the first version of the app which is a little bit backwards in some ways but for the way that i make apps i never i don't know if the app i'm making is going to be worth putting a lot of time and energy and resources into. And so for a lot of my apps, like the first version is just a couple weeks of work and like the concept of hiring a designer, even just like the time overhead, if it be like the, the cost aside, if I could find a really inexpensive designer, like the cost overhead in terms of time of going back and forth and trying to under, like getting everybody on the same page and then waiting for the assets and doing all that, like it doesn't work as well for me. And so I tend to just sort of hope for the best and design things and and, you know the result is maybe it's a bit mixed but and what i find though is at least like once you get if you have once you have some experience designing apps like the core design questions i guess this would be the ux design i'm not really as familiar with the terms all the different like ui ux please don't email us (laughs) and um like graphic design maybe are the three kinds of design i don't know like the, the the making an app that sort of like works right and function is functional and intuitive that part i think i have a good handle on and i can make apps that do that they just tend to not be pretty and in general i found that people are pretty forgiving about things not being pretty um they'd rather it be functional and so you can kind of get away with a lot more than you may um otherwise have um and definitely this has been a lot easier since people don't expect apps to be pixel perfect anymore like it's there was a time when it was really hard if you app didn't have like the crazy textures and everything is just aligned just so like you know right now you're building an app that has to be let's see it's 4s size uh, iphone 5 size iphone 6 size um, iphone 6 plus size uh, then you have ipad uh, you have 1x ipad and 2x ipad and ipad pro and so like it's your design has to scale to everything anyway. And so you can be, you can get away with, I feel like in some ways a lot more because you're trying to design something more fluid anyway. Yeah, like in some ways it's more like a web design, you know, now, whereas before it was this, this very like 
texturally and graphically rich style in like the you know, the iOS six and earlier days, uh, and and then since the iOS seven style UI with you know all these clean flat colors and thin text everywhere and lots of white space, um, I think it, it has shifted more into what web design kind of always was, uh, where you know you. You, because you have to design for so many screen sizes and be ready to adapt to new ones that might come out that we don't even know about yet, now you you are kind of forced to make things simpler and more reliant on like text flow and stuff like that, and and less about like these giant baked in images. And and also those are just out of style now, which has been such a huge benefit to people like us who 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 don't have or can't afford full time design help. Um, it's been a huge boon for us. Yeah, but I think it, of course it probably ends up meaning that we 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 become much more reliant on. I feel like there's a certain, and I don't really know where I I learned these, and I think you actually have a better handle on these. So maybe I'll ask you. But like, there's a certain. It seems like there's a certain basic set of like rules about layout, about um, how you structure like typography or the white space of 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 a, of a page, and to make it like look right. And when it isn't at least at this point now I have enough of a sense of it. Like I don't necessarily know why it's wrong, but I know it is wrong. And I pick that up just sort of as you go. But like once you, like it's more important in some ways because things aren't pixel perfect that you just have these basic like elements of good design under your belt. And this is something I noticed in a lot, in, in all of your apps, like as you've gone, it always has, seems to have that nice, clean, sharp look. Where do you think you learned to do that? Well, I mean, there, so there's there's these different parts of design, right? So there's like there's the the like graphical artistry part of it, and that's things like textures, things like designing like rich icons, stuff like that. That part I have never been good at, and I probably never will be good at, and I'm okay with that. Um, that part I'm I'm happy to outsource and, and and pay whatever it takes to get you know a great app icon made. You know, if I need if the textures ever come back in style, I hope they don't. They probably eventually will. Um, and you know, then I'll, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Cause that, that will basically drive my costs up substantially. <laughs> uh, but it's all right. You can just have retro apps that are without, uh, without texture. It'll just be retro. It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll, it'll just become an affect rather than like, this is what people do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, so there's different parts of design, the graphical stuff I, I really can't do, but, the rest of it, as you mentioned, like the you know the rest of what you what you encounter in most app design, things like layout, uh, basic text and typography, um, you know spacing. That I I've just kind of slowly developed my own sensibilities for that over time by you know starting some of it started in web design, but also just like just kind of paying attention and developing a feel for it over time. Um, it, which is totally unhelpful. Like that, I, I know I recognize. Like if you're listening and trying to figure, you know, trying to answer the question of like, how do I become familiar with the basics of design? Like I don't know. I can't tell you that. Um, there's probably some decent books about it um, that are made for for this purpose. Um, I'll, I'll try to find them and put them in the show notes if I, if I can. But uh, I I just I haven't gone that path. I've just kind of slowly developed a sensibility by just like kind of paying attention to designers and to design even though i'm i've never really been trained as a designer or or considered myself one and a lot of it is just like kind of like you know it when you see it you know like when when you lay something out uh in a way that is visually pleasing like you yourself will notice that this looks good in most cases you know <laughs> like it because you are also a person you are also a user of this app um so it, you kind of like play with it 
following some basic principles you can kind of play with it and and work it out until it until it looks fairly good but what you said is also correct like people are very forgiving of this i mean Oh, God help you if you ever look up screenshots of Instapaper 1.0. Um, it like it to some degree. Uh, in in many cases, it doesn't matter as much as people think it does. Um, design is is kind of like good marketing, uh, where it is really nice to have. If you want to, if you if your app is going to become big and successful, you probably need good design. Um, but you can you can you can get an app out there and you can start building a market for yourself without having professional quality design it, it is not it is not like a strict requirement for success um and and in many cases in many markets especially like the the more narrow the market gets the more specialized or professional a market gets the less design is valued or the less it matters um and so if you're making an app like you know for somebody to get their job done and you know it, it basically needs like four buttons and a text field like for you know that then like it doesn't really matter to a lot of like it, whether that's really, really pretty or not is probably not going to affect your success in 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 that narrow market as much as much as it would in like a mass consumer photography app say you know so it really depends on what you're making uh, and how much this is worth but ultimately you know good design is something that if you can do it you should do it and if you can afford it you should do it uh, in, in almost every case but that could be very expensive i mean like you know like hiring a professional designer could cost hundreds to thousands of dollars per day of their work and and it's really it, it can be it adds up so quickly um it, it just just to get an app icon made you can get a, a, a an okay icon made for a few hundred dollars um to get a great icon made might cost a few thousand dollars i mean again this it's this is big money we're talking about for for independent programmers like because most designers most of their work comes from corporate clients so so you you have to build in all these high prices you have to you have to account for how much of a pain corporate clients are to deal with how much overhead you're going to have for every billable hour that you can actually get paid for um you have to account for all that and price things accordingly whereas you know when you're an independent hiring a hiring a designer these prices are often out of reach so you know it, it does help to familiarize yourself with the basics of design or to hire a designer you know for for the stuff that really matters, like your app icon uh, and and uh, you know maybe like a once over of your main interface, but not to have somebody that you're like paying every single day or every single month um, ongoing. So it, it it depends, and it depends a lot on, on on the people you can find. You know, if you can find a great designer uh, who who will take on your work for a price you can afford, great, that's awesome. You know, but I I have found that to be very difficult most of the time myself. Yeah, because I think the difficulty there is it's the best designers like are like if you if you're not paying them well then you they're kind of ripping them off like like right like that's the nature of like they're really if like if they really are that good then they should be in some ways um like they they should be you know well paid for their work and doing you know and doing that probably with with clients who can do it and so you end up with kind of a lot of um you know for small independent apps you it just doesn't yeah, the economics just don't tend to work out. And in some ways, you're probably better off. It's like rather than spending that money on the on that design, it's like, I don't even know, like training, buying yourself books or spending the equivalent amount of time that you would have spent in money um, just trying to pra practice and get better at, your, at it yourself. Because that's certainly a skill that isn't going to um, like go out of use or become useless to you. That if you are, if you're, once you 
having a stronger sense of design, that's only going to help your programming. That's not going to ever come back to you to bite you to be like, oh, no, now you know too much about design. Like your apps are getting worse. Like it's it's a good thing to invest in if you in like if you can afford it. Great. But I mean, you're, you're my guess is you're probably then either working for a bigger company or um, just somehow very wealthy, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could you can look at it also as like, you know, can you afford any other kind of staffing or help? Like, if you can afford to pay other programmers to 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 be with you to to help make bigger and and more complex apps, then the cost of a designer relative to other programmers is very reasonable. Um, yeah. But you know, but if you like, if the idea of paying another programmer to help you out is completely out of reach because the economics aren't working out, it's probably also going to be challenging to pay to pay a designer. Anyway. Uh, in, in much less expensive news, we are sponsored this week by Hover. Hover is, quite simply, the best way to buy and manage domain names, and it costs way less than hiring a full-time programmer or designer. <laughs> now, when you have an idea for a project, naming it can be difficult. Once you finally get that name, you want to be able to quickly and easily get the domains you need. Hover provides a simple, fast, and hassle-free method of buying domain names. It is very easy to search for new domains, search for domains that are available. Uh, you enter the phrase you want or some keywords if you don't know an exact name, and they will find available matches for you and show you a list of all the crazy new TLDs that are available with that name. They have, of course, you know the nice old ones, .com, uh, .net, and, and all that stuff, but they also have all the crazy new ones, .plumbing, .coffee, .sexy, if you go that way. All these TLDs, they have recently lowered their prices on pretty much all of them. So .com domains are now just $12.99 a year. Uh, and all this includes free Whois privacy for all their domains. They believe that you should not have to pay extra to keep your private information private. Uh, and they have fantastic customer support if you ever need it. Hover offers a no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support policy. They are famous for this, and there's a good reason why. When you call them, you talk to an actual human being. There's no robots, no menus. Uh, but if you do prefer robotic communication, they also have great support documents and guides on their website for getting everything you need, as well as email support if you need that. Uh, now, don't forget their Hover Valet service, where if you want, if you if you have a bunch of domains somewhere else, or just even just one, any number of domains you have somewhere else, you want to transfer them over to Hover, they will, if you want, do the whole transfer for you. Because I've never met anybody who said, you know what I love doing? Domain name registration transfers. No, not a single person ever wants to do that. Hover will do it for you if you want. It's fantastic. There's so much great stuff at Hover. Uh, check it out today. Go to Hover.com to try them out. Use code SWIFT at checkout, and you will get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for Under the Radar and all of Relay FM. Thank you so much to Hover. Use code SWIFT at checkout for 10% off. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So I think the next thing that we wanted to dive into a little bit is the something that I know, I think, I know you, I've heard you talk a lot about this and it's something that i know i've started doing a lot more in my own apps is once you have your design um, and this is especially for the graphical assets in your app so like you know button icons or images of all kind of any kind like there's you can either pre-render that image so it's like to have it come out of photoshop or illustrator or whatever design tool sketch whatever it is that you're using render it out as a png put that png and well i will put all three of the pngs like the 1x the 2x the 3x version of that asset um, and add it to your project and bundle it in that way um, or you can pro programmatically generate it either as uh, like in the draw rect of a, a ui view or generating an image that you put in a ui uh, as you know turn into a, a ui image and i know i think we've both been on the path towards le less and less uh, static assets and more and more programmatic assets 
And so it's probably something that's worth talking about, some of the reasons why we do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like for me, static assets are a liability for future work. Because anything, any kind of image, like, you know, I, I, it, it, suppose I hire a designer to, to make, like, toolbar icons in my app, which I've done before, and it's often worth doing. Um, so I have these toolbar icons. And then Apple comes out and says, oh, by the way, you know, there's going to be a new iPad resolution. It's now going to be iPad at 3X. Then you need new versions of those icons that can, that can be rendered at, rendered at 3X. You can attempt to do it yourself, but generally you won't have like a, a source vector file. You will you will have like a stack of PNGs that the designer gave you when you paid them two years ago, um, and so you can try to make it or resize it yourself. It'll probably look bad. You probably shouldn't do that. Um, so oftentimes you have to then go back to the designer and pay for even more of their time for them to do something that's really very trivial that they probably don't even want to do because that's pretty pretty uninteresting work. Um, you, can, you know, dig up old files and re-render something out as a different resolution and everything. Um, so it's it's this kind of clunky procedure that like if you rely on the on graphical assets um, that are that are baked into static images you have all this liability whenever the technology changes under you. Or if you just want to tweak the design, like what if you want to make all the line widths you know, half a pixel narrower in the next version, in the next design? Um, it, that becomes very difficult if, if, you, if, you're, if you just have a bunch of images and you have to like, re-render all those assets out. Um, on the other hand, uh, if you have all those images and stuff, there's a lot of upsides to that. Uh, your app, first of all, will load faster because you won't have to be like drawing these things every time. Um, you know, certain certain art styles are only really possible in static images and, and become pretty impractical to impossible to recreate with like quartz drawing commands in, in a draw right function. Um, so there there are there are definitely advantages and disadvantages. Um, generally speaking, uh, programmatically generated images make your app bundle very small. This is one of the reasons why Overcast is only something like seven megs. Uh, it's a very very small app bundle because I have almost no images in it. Almost everything in Overcast is generated procedurally. Um, so it makes your app bundle very small. It makes it very easy to adapt to new devices and new sizes. But it also, but, but static images almost certainly will load faster. Uh, there's also like the OS will cache them. Uh, any kind of like UI image, image name to call, like those kind of things get cached. The GPU will cache certain things. The framework will cache certain things. So generally speaking, for, for speed of, of operation, you want static images. But for... Uh, for ease of programmer work, programmatically generated stuff can be a lot easier. And I think the biggest thing too is with programmatic, it's it's there's even like probably just the the, 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 the like the philosophy of it of making sure that like what you're saying. The biggest thing that I think you're pointing out is if your your art assets need to be or are ideally in some some format that you're going to be able to scale and adjust and re-render later at the very least right like if you, if you are using a completely like if you're if you have a designer or even if you're in with yourself like if you're going to if you're building things in such a way that you cannot just easily scale them up and down like keeping them you know having vector artwork in photoshop or illustrator or sketch or do, doing it in some way like that that you can scale up and down it's yeah it's a ticking time bomb for at some point you're going to need something different like there was a time when we just had 1x everywhere, and then there was 2x and 1x, and then now there's 3x as well. Um, and like, it's always going to change. Everything, like, the, the one of the f- 
few like i don't know if we'll ever get to forex but something else is going to happen like all of a sudden i for a long time i think i had the thought that the ipad was always going to be sort of 1024 by 768 <laughs> right. in t- terms of functional size and it's like no it turns out they're going because like when they went to the midi they kept the same resolution they just smushed it a bit and with with the pro though it's like oh no here's this massive new screen and so like the most important thing is to be able to over time re like update the have those uh, assets be dynamic and to change over time whether that's like rendered in your app which like you were saying like sometimes that's good sometimes it's bad like it's some trade-offs but whatever it is whatever form you're doing it in it needs to be something that you can very easily if all of a sudden it's like i need them at a different size um, even if it's not a different resolution even if it's just like you know i think the alignment on this isn't quite right i need to make it a bit smaller mm-hmm. like being able to render re-render that from source rather than taking the image and like resizing it, which is always never going to look good. Like you need to be able to say like, let's re-render this from the beginning with in the exact dimensions that I want it to be. Um, and if you can do that, like then your workflow is like good. If you can't, then you probably need to fix it because you're, you're, you're just waiting for at some point down the road it to come back and bite you. Yeah. And even like, there's like, there's like a hybrid approach you can do here, which, which I, I've employed for my, all my watch assets. Cause like some, in, in some contexts in the OS or in the frameworks, in some contexts, you can't do a programmatic, uh, rendering of something you have to have an image in the app bundle with a certain name like you know so things like your launch icons like you your app icon just can't be programmatic in ios today um other things like in WatchKit, there in in watch os 2 i i would imagine it's more flexible but in in watch kit um watch kit one many things had to be static images like there were there were certain things that everything had to be yeah (laughs) everything right and so with Overcast, what I what I did, like you know, like my I have my like my my themed buttons that are that are in the app, and those buttons are all generated by just calls to uh, my one of my appearance manager functions that I, in my custom appearance class, um, and you just specify uh, how you know what size canvas to render this icon into, and you know the line width and the color. And, you know, some of them will display things like like the seek buttons that have the number of seconds inside of them that will be that will be seeked, sought, uh, whatever it is. Um, like that's all customizable by the user. And so like those buttons just, you know, like there's a function that just says, you know, render seek button at this size with this color, this line width and with this number in the middle. And the function has a text drawing call and it went, you know, in the middle of all these shapes. And by the way, Paint Code is a great app for uh, for generating yes. the code for any kind of non-trivial shape. Um, recommend that. But then, you know, and then it, it just wraps it in like an image context where it just does a, does a transform that scales it. So you can, I can render this image that, you know, the source is in like, you know, a 100 by 100 grid or whatever I set Paint Code to. Um, and then it just scales that with CG code um, to to whatever output size you wanted it at. And so when you have a context like WatchKit where you, you're required to have static images, I have a special build mode that I, that I can set the app in where it just generates those for me in, in, every, in every configuration that, that it might ever need with my current code. So it literally just like calls that function and renders out static assets that I can, that I can then include in the app bundle. Um, so that, like, that, that kind of hybrid approach, I think, has a lot of advantages. It is more complex. It will not save any space in your app bundle, but it will allow you to use these images in calls like like image named and uh, in context where you need static images and it preserves all like the the load time um optimizations the caching optimization on the platform so the hybrid approach i think is is worth considering um but ultimately 
like I just I love doing things programmatically because I think you're right like it it feels more semantically right like if I have a, a graphic that is just like you know a, a circle with an arrow going into it like why does it need to be a bitmap file somewhere like why why can't that just be represented as vectors it, it seems as a programmer and I, I recognize this isn't how design works but it seems as a programmer that is like the most correct way to represent that is by vectors um, and and that doesn't this isn't true for everything of course. But so much of what we do today and, and the current styles of, of interfaces, that is true for. And it just feels right. You know, it feels right to represent it as a function. And, and even in many ways, like, like I mentioned my scaling technique earlier with these, with these function calls, like a lot of times something really simple like drawing an X, you know, like an icon that's just like a big X or a plus sign, like... I would ra- like I render that in a, in a in a one scale graph like it's you know one by one and it's like all right render for you know draw a line from point five to point five you know like and then just render that to any size like that that is actually easier and simpler to to write and to and to conceptualize than having sixteen different PNG files that that at different thicknesses and everything and and sometimes you need the dynamism you know if you offer things like um like if if the icon has to be re- has to be rendered at different colors uh different fonts for any kind of embedded text uh, different line thicknesses or if it's something that's being reflected in the UI that is some kind of dynamic element like you know if you have some kind of UI widget where you're showing progress um you know do you actually want to render out a progress bar at a hundred different widths for for all the different percentages or you know do you which i actually did for my watch app uh, <laughs> or you know or do you want to just have one that you can call a function and you can generate it at whatever value you need um so you know different there's obviously different needs here in different situations usually i prefer to go programmatic wherever possible for my image generation because usually the the downsides are either non-existent or very very small and the upsides are quite big and I think, too, one thing that I like about the more I've gotten into doing programmatic rendering is it keeps my uh, – it, it matches, matches, matches well with my ability. So if I open Photoshop, which I don't really have that much business getting into, but, like, I can do a lot of stuff there that probably ultimately doesn't look very good. Like, I can over-design and try and be cleverer than I actually am, whereas when I'm like writing it in, even in paint code or just like in core graphics calls, like it limits and constrains me in a, what I find to be a positive way that like I understand core graphics in a way that I don't understand Photoshop. And so it's constructive for me to like, okay, I can only do like 10 drawing operations or whatever it is like you can do in core graphics. Like functionally, it's like you can stroke a path, you can fill a shape. Like there's a few basic things and so if I make my art assets align with that, I'm probably not going to like reach beyond what I'm actually capable of doing. Whereas if I go into Photoshop and like, oh, I can do layer styles. Ooh, that's pretty. Ooh, let me go into the CO. I can blur this over here, like doing <laughs> stuff that I have no business doing. And so at least if I keep it as programmatic and simple, then I'm not, not exceeding that. And I understand it too. Like that's maybe another part of it. Like we're saying from the beginning of like, if you're doing this all yourself, like it's danger. One of the dangerous things too, in some ways is if you have, an, an, if you're you know, an external designer is making something for you that you have no way then of recreating or adjusting or adjusting or tweaking. Like if I don't understand it, then I can't change it really. Um, and that's just a, 
you know, has come, definitely come back to bite me a few times where I, I just need to change something slightly and I can't cause like it's a baked PNG. And so it's like, I just have to make do, or I need to try and get back on my designer schedule to make a really minor adjustment for them and work out the contracting for that. Like it's a, if it's nice and easy and understandable, it's probably going to be better down the road. And I think, so for me, like this is where I'm heading. Like I, I very do very few um, static images anymore. I tend to do a lot more programmatic things or at least storing my assets in a, in a form that I can easily um, re-render and regenerate. And I can look at it and I'm like, yep, I understand what that's doing. Like I see the lines it's drawing, the shapes it's filling, and like that makes sense to me. Yeah, and 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 the result of that usually isn't as good as what you can get with a pro designer. Sure. But it's a kind of it's one of those things where like you can get like you know two thirds of the way there uh, for for a lot less cost and and with a lot of other benefits. So like that isn't always worth it. Sometimes it is, and and sometimes you don't have a choice. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to to be able to uh, to do to do the minimum required with the resources you have uh, rather than being forced to go and spend a lot of money you don't have. Um, so it's, it's good to have this option. Exactly. All right. I think that wraps it up for this week. Thanks a lot to our sponsor this week, Hover. Thanks a lot for all our listeners. Uh, please recommend us to friends and rate us on Overcast and iTunes and everything. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye.